Shoot, mate. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Muscle and Hustle podcast. I think we're about three and a half years in now. God love anybody who's been listening from the start. Them start podcast were brutal, but look, we're kicking off here. We had Daniel in last week, super sub. Good feedback on the podcast. Thank you for all the, the ratings, the reviews. That means the world, and we really appreciate it. We're trying to do something a bit different and make an impact, and it seems to be working because I'm getting more and more messages every day. So I just want to let you know that lights me up. So thank you so, so much. Uh, Mickey, how are you? I am, I am okay. I hate using the word okay because sometimes it feels like a cop-out, but um, yep. I don't think... Right. There's too many other ways to describe in, in a way. But for anybody who ha- isn't following me on Instagram or Facebook or didn't know, my mother passed away last Friday. So, yeah, she was just buried there a few days ago. So it's been... It's been a bit of a tough week. Um, and thanks to... Mr. Dorgan for jumping in very last minute. We were me and Tony were about to uh about to record in a couple of hours time and I had to uh had to just tell him that I had to had to go, had to go to the hospital. So yeah, it's been it's been a week. It's uh it's tough to describe, but I'm sure we'll get into it a wee bit as we go on. Um and yeah, I listened to last week's podcast myself. It's the first time, you know what? Because you're on the podcast, you don't really listen to it. But because I wasn't on it, I went, you know what, fucking going to listen to this. And it was actually really good. Really, really good. Now, you are very alike. You are like you are like brothers from different, you know, older brother, younger brother vibe. Which was very good. I enjoyed it. I very enjoyed enjoyed last week's podcast a lot. Um, <laughs> but it was, uh, Two peas in one pod. You are user like, it's, it's like... It's like two very similar people, but from, like, as if one from different parts of the world. You know what I mean? It's like, you're me, but from over there. <laughs> it's so weird. Uh, I, I when I was listening to the things he was saying, I was like, oh, I remember. Like, that's something Tony would say. You know what I mean? And it just, just there was a lot of kind of. But then again, um, I suppose before you and Daniel kind of started doing stuff together, he probably would have followed you and probably maybe got a lot of got a lot out of things that you would have said probably in the past so it's probably not uncommon that in a way you just attract people that are, are ex- like using exactly i you attract the same energies and fuck me he's got some energy don't i yeah well that, that's it i've been working on mine a lot over the last year or so since the breakup and that i'm really focused on myself and I think naturally you start to almost attract it's like that phase where in between like we talked about it before where if you're a person for something and say you're not going out, you're not drinking, you're not smoking, there's this like middle ground phase where like you don't have the skills and the mindset of like the new crowd, so you yeah. can't get on track them people yet, but you, you you don't want to hang around with the old crowd to an extent with what they're doing. So again, I'm in this alone phase, which is a bit shit. But down the line, you notice whenever you've worked on yourself enough and you bring enough value to people, people almost come to you that want to be in that sort because you just end up attracting them. But yeah, no, Mickey, I think a fair play to you to touching on all that because like I know myself, like a guy who curled up in a ball for about a month. A, and it's one of the things we'll dive into that as much as you want. This is the first time you and Mickey's actually spoke. We've texted slightly, but we he said to me he wanted to talk about it open enough. So it's one of these things where it's a very everybody processes differently, everybody grieves yeah. differently. It's just a, it's it's very strange. It's and it's one of the things where no matter what it is, me and me and Daniel always me and Daniel can talk about this quite a lot out here and Mickey you'll you'll know this as well. Is that like it shouldn't like it shouldn't take a life going for you to appreciate your life or appreciate the people around you. It shouldn't take something as drastic. Sometimes it does. Yeah. But just even knowing that mentally is really, really key in my opinion for where you are. It's like Knowing that, like being grateful is so so important. It shouldn't take something like that for you to turn around and tell someone you love them. It shouldn't take like we. I say I love you. I think every single day to my mom, and my sister, and it's one of the things where sometimes I'll be sent on the phone. You'll always get that weird look, but it's like or like I'll be leaving the house, locking the door, I'm like right, mom, love you, bye, or dad, love you, bye. And it's one of the things where it seems so insignificant. I don't like to put the word down, but it's like that could be the very last time I see them. I could get hit by a boss, Joe. It's it's 
Yeah. It's one of yeah, it's, 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 I think, not society, but we are ungrateful sometimes for the things that matter most. And it takes getting stripped away to then ask yourself, what have I been prioritizing? Where could I, no, not beat yourself up, but like you have to ask yourself, right, well, like if shit hits the fan tomorrow, have I lived life on terms that I've wanted or have I let something else subconsciously control the steering wheel? Maybe the security of not being good enough, spent more time training, uh, focusing on your career focusing on status or Joe spending time out with the boys whenever you're even fat, whatever it is, it's like, right, well, what at the end of the day matters most to you and then reflect on that and go and do my, does my time actually align with that or does it not? Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely one of them things where it's sad that it takes, it takes massive, massive things to happen in your life for you to, um, realize certain things and maybe realize that things aren't aligned right or as you said you know saying the words I love you or saying the words or doing the doing the things and showing the actions and, and different things and it's it's a sad reality that normally does take uh, a pretty big uh, big thing in your life for you to do things like that I, I do you know when you said the thing ungrateful I don't see it as or I just see it as people people have a habit of taking things for granted now. And they it's a better way to I uh, and I think it's just like, yeah, they're there. You know, you just take it for granted. And you know, it's it's a tough thing, uh, you know, thirty eight years in the in the life where you do, you don't take it for granted. you take it for granted that someone's always gonna be there because they've been there for thirty eight years. You know what I mean, and that's, and I think it it's a sad thing where it does take something like this to happen for you to realize that like tomorrow's not, tomorrow's not a definite, but the now, the now is. Whereas if you do things now, they'll get be done. But if you put them off to tomorrow, they might never be done. The same applies to, you know, telling the person you love them, or telling the person you're grateful for them, or telling the person that you miss them, or you appreciate them, or thanking them. Or doing something, you know, maybe a small gesture, where you can do that now, but tomorrow you can't always do that, and that is, it was one of the things that kind of, the last maybe two weeks, um, that was going through my head that, you know, there was a lot of things that got maybe put off, um, especially with me and my mum, and when you, when there's a like a time limit or you know there's a time limit on something there is that regret and then you know from the podcast and us talking and different stuff the thing we always say is don't take anything for granted but it doesn't matter maybe how much you've said that and you do that there's always something that you might take for granted and i you know i 100 percent um and 100 percent did that myself um, but it's I kind of uh, in the run up to the podcast I kind of said to Tony you know we may as well we have well we don't not that we may as well we have to for the simple reason is this podcast was born out of two people being vulnerable and talking openly and if we were to gloss over this and not talk about it we wouldn't be through to the last 290 episodes that we just did um we'd be living we'd pretty much be living a lie if we didn't uh if we didn't talk about it now as tony says everybody grieves differently um so what probably what i'd be talking about today i'm not i'm not an expert it's as raw as anything um but if it can help one single person that's all that matters and and i'd like to thank a lot of a good few of the listeners have reached out and some of them had lost people in the last maybe year or two and they've reached out um, with some advice and just reached out as well just to say they were thinking and I'd like to thank them a lot for that because, you know, it's not as if we really have a relationship or anything. We just know you from, you know, from your name coming up on Instagram or you know me from the podcast. But it's appreciated that people, you maybe don't realise um, that people do have your back until something like this happens and that's another thing that 
you know, it's a, it's a sad thing that maybe sometimes you can't reach out to people and say, you know, hope you're doing okay because you don't want to sound like you're, you know, you're fucking snooping on them or something until something bad happens. But it's uh, there's definitely there's definitely lessons to be learned and yeah, thank you. Yeah, it'll be an interesting one because, like for you, as you said, it's very raw, it's very open, and you'll move through the stages of like of grief and yeah. I remember going to counseling because and you don't even realize it's like you know there's denial there's barn and there's accept and it's all the and you, the funniest thing is as if anybody looks up like I think it's a couple of stages you won't even realize it's happened to you before you won't even realize you're moving through them and then I think the very last one's acceptance and the funniest thing is I remember going to therapy about it and then turning around to me and saying and the funny thing is like you'll you'll bounce from acceptance back to denial to to bargaining to other stages of it because your body will just go through that. So it's one of the things where I appreciate, like even I appreciate you being open and honest, transparent, because I think it's one of the toughest days you'll ever have in your life. Uh, And it's a very raw, intense emotion. I actually, when you were like, we'll talk about this, I was like, I'm not even ready for, to to think about it and remind talk about it on my side. So it's one of the ones where, the funny thing is it's going to happen to absolutely everyone, which is like the, the, it's it's the beauty of life is the finite of it like it's like when I, really, I love this quote and it's from like Troy and I don't mean to relate to this podcast to Troy but it's a great movie Troy the fellow uh, yeah 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 Brad yeah. uh, Pitt says that there's a quote and it's like the gods envy us because the time we have is limited because it makes everything worthwhile, more worthwhile now I've watched the quote he doesn't say worthwhile in that movie ah uh, yeah but but that is the emphasis of the point you know the gods envy us because we have limited time because we are mortal and the whole point of that is, you know, what would there be no urgency, there'd be no beauty, there'd be no gratitude for anything, there'd be no actual reason to do anything if you had all the time in the world. Like if you had another five hundred years with your mom, like it means every other moment that you have it wasn't significant, but it, like there's no actual time pressure. Whereas every Sunday I'm home, I drag my ones to do something, whether it's a walk or a coffee, I drag them out. And in my mind, I do always think like, you know, like this could be the last one we're all on together. The same, like my dad would say that in family holidays, and it seems a bit OCD, but or a bit not OCD, but over the top at times. Yeah. But like the reason why, like I love where my bedroom is, and people think it's a statistic, but like my bedroom overlooks graveyard. And have you ever noticed when me and dad take the dog for a walk? If you look in the background; it's in a graveyard. And a constant reminder of death is not a bad thing, in my opinion, because it's the worst thing that's ever going to happen to you. And then it also makes you zoom out and realize. What's what's really important, like really truly, what is trivial? Because like we get annoyed at people, like and everybody's like this. Somebody walks in and you're watching a show and you almost go to snap. And like yeah. right now, you would kill kill for that person to walk through the door and have an argument with them. And it's one of these things where it does take us, like where as you said, we take for granted. I don't like the word ungrateful, but it's because I think ungrateful is quite a triggering word. I think it makes you sound like a, a wee prick, but like. I would say I'm grateful at times for it. And that's why that process of like, yeah, always, how could this be worse? How could this not be going my way? Like, how could it be terrible? Like, I was in that Wemo pay crash the other day. And the first thing I turned around and said was, like, as soon as I got off the bike, she was crap. And I just turned around and goes, Are you okay? She was like, Yeah. And I goes, We're okay. And I goes, That's all that matters. And I was like, Relax. And then she almost calmed down because I had like zoomed out so much. And I was like, so nothing else really matters. Like I, I could be paralyzed now. Like you could be fucking anything could be wrong now. I've got a really fucking grim burn, but like so it's nothing major at all. It's yeah. it's like, like flipping the script now. That's not easy, but it's like it's trying to at least alter it and then that changes your thought process. For you, it'll be you no know, without something like a like an experiment. I will find it very interesting and I'll actually find it very common. And I think a lot of the listeners will, like me, they'll be very nervous at that moment. They won't like to think about it. Whenever I think about it, I start to get a little bit choked up. That's why I'm not going into it. That's not why I'll, I'll think. I don't want to do like death, grief, loss with you. Mickey will tell you. Yeah. I've been a year and a half to do a podcast on that. I find it such an interesting topic. I find yeah. it very, like, very different. I find that, and I, I think it'll be very interesting now because. I think I can imagine what your viewpoint would have been before, whereas now I think it'll be slightly altered. Uh, oh, hundred percent. <laughs> we would have. We the reason we didn't do the podcast, um, because Tony has brought it up a good few times, was because none of us had really experienced it, and 
we actually talked about getting an expert on um, because we didn't want to we didn't want to do it in injustice in a way we you know we we wanted to make sure that when we we did that podcast that we we did it right and didn't um and di- didn't butcher it in a way um and then when when these things unfolded and I, I said to myself that it's something we have to do and we probably, to be honest, the more I thought about it, there's probably, you know, the grieving process, as Tony says, takes many different turns. So this is probably a part one and a part two might be three months down the line. You know what I mean? There, there, there's, there's, a, there's different processes and different, and different, and different ways of doing it, but... I suppose one of the questions that from my friends and people have been talking about is, you know, they ask you, you know, how are you feeling? And the truth is, you don't really know how you're feeling because it's all still so new and raw. Now, the... the it raw, has to feel all. Yeah, it feels... You, it, it, it's, it's probably... To be honest, you probably think you probably tried it in your head. Go, it's not really real, and then once like I've I've had to do, I've had to do like a few jobs this week that my mum would have took care of, and that's when it started to feel really real. Like we trivial things like get the dog food, you know, do a bit of shopping for the house, just just real trivial things that my mum would have just just did without even thinking about, but. Because I'm down now with my dad for a while and Oma, so I've done that things and it kind of really hit me when I when I when I did them, and then like there's a few other other things like just like, like we silly things like just making sure like the dishwasher was full you know just stuff that we would take for you know you know just all of a sudden your clothes is washed you know that sort of thing. Um, yeah, absolutely. But that's when it really hit home to me that that. The, the thing I was driving, because I decided I would do the gig on Tuesday at the Halffield because it was going to be me and the boys and the Halffield and somewhere I feel really at home. So I was like, right, I may just get back on this horse and get it done. And when I was driving home, one of the things that really hit into my head was this is a forever thing. It's not a, oh, it'll all be back to normal in a week. My, no, my mum won't be back in a week. She won't be back in two weeks. You know, sometimes, like, if someone, like, goes on holidays, and you're like, fuck, I miss them. I can't wait for them to be back. Well, this person isn't coming back. And that hit me when I was driving home. When I, I, it was, it was over something real silly. I was just thinking I had to do something. And I was like, you know, normally, oh, that's a job I'll do until this person's back to do the job. But yeah. it was just in my head was going, oh, that's my job now. Oh, so I'll just no. That's what I'll have to do, uh, and that's when the first kind of, the first kind of hit me that, you know. There, I won't see my mum again. I won't have her, in 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 the physical way her support because she was like a massive support of me. You know, when you when you say to your mum, oh, I want to be a DJ, I'm not gonna like my sister went to Oxford University. So imagine one child going to Oxford, the Golden Goose, and then the next child going, "Oh, I'm gonna play fucking rave music." You know what I mean? <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a very different, it's a very different kind of thing for a parent to go through. Um, but yeah, I suppose, I suppose the grieving process hasn't really even really started. You're probably still in the sh- I'm probably still in the in the shocked part. Um, Absolutely. If if it's to right. be totally serious, because um, the the funeral and and the run up to the the wake and all, you're you're surrounded by that many people talking about all the good times, that um, it's like, what's the word? Like it's like. It's not real. You're in such a, an environment where where it's a contained environment, and you've just people like, you know, just saying lovely, lovely stuff, and you know, just reiterating the fact about how how well thought of your mum was, and and different things. 
but then it's it's when all that ends and you're you're in the house and you know you're doing the menial tasks and you're back to everyday life because that's the other sad reality of it is you know you you have to get back to your normal life at some stage because you know the world doesn't stop because your world has stopped you know very interesting i don't don't mean to interrupt you feel artificial like does it feel fake that was my main question like uh, whatever you're talking about the people talk do you know what i mean like it because as you said you're still in like does it just feel like like i remember like joe like arriving at car crash scenes in the fire service and people know they've been in a crash or they know something's happened but like they're going on like it's it's not as normal but you know what i mean like it's almost like you this isn't this isn't in there yet it's like so does, is, is artificial isn't maybe the right word like Make blatant. Do you know what I mean? Do you know where I'm coming from? Ah, uh, yeah, no, it does. It feels, it feels like it's, it almost feels like a dream. You know, it feels like it's a, it's a bad dream, from the, from the moment of almost diagnosis, because it was a very short illness. It was a two week illness. From the moment of diagnosis, the whole thing felt, it felt like it was a, it wasn't really happening, and I was that busy at the time. And my mum wouldn't let me cancel gigs because she doesn't like she she the her, her, the thing of my family and my mum is you don't let people down and that is something that's been bred into me you don't let people down like you just that's you have no like she she was like times when we were at the hospital it was like have you got a gig tonight and she would be trying to check Facebook on her phone just in case I was lying there. You just don't let people down. So I was going from gig to hospital, from gig to hospital, from gig you know, to hospital. Like you're pretty much sleeping four or five hours and then going straight to the hospital and then driving the, the next gig. And that was all through Halloween. So that was like, you were talking six or seven gigs in a row. And the whole time I was just thinking, up until about the day before Halloween maybe, you were kind of going, when I had to kind of reach out and tell people just to just in case, um, you know, I had to like I had to tell the boys to be on standby just in case you know something happened while it was mid gig, so then they could jump back on or whatever. It just didn't feel real, and it just felt it just felt like a numbness, or it felt like a just like a like something that was going to resolve itself. But in your head, you were you won't know, especially because I would I would think and the 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 compartmentalize whatever the word is things that I kind of came to the conclusion pretty quick that the things weren't going to get better. And then you start to play out all the scenarios. And believe me when I say this, whatever you play out in your head is definitely not how you're going to feel. Because nothing will prepare you for... No, anybody that's lost a loved one will know what I'm talking about. Nothing prepares you for that moment, even if you say that you've come to the acceptance that this is going to happen. Nothing prepares you for that moment or the moments after. Um, uh, yeah, probably, as you said, nothing prepares you for But I always imagine, uh, maybe I'm completely wrong, you all know this, but like, you're obviously your character is tested. So obviously the, the build up to it in terms of like, the last 12, 24, 36, 48 months of like, you're I'm not saying like you need to get your routine, your habits on check, but like the actual, like how you've dealt with tough moments before and what's happened to you and how you've responded to that and how you overcome adversity for your prior times, Joe, through work. It's like, this will be one of the biggest hurdles you have. And if you, if you, if you've dro- dropped in most hurdles, it'll feel like this is catastrophic. Whereas, I'm not saying it's a hurdle. I'm just saying in terms of emotional yeah. stability. It's one of the things where if you've been tested, you've been tried and tested before, and the worst day of most people's lives will be whenever a loved one dies, that will be it. And me and Danny actually talked about this the other week, and he was explaining like to me like one of his goals is to like be able to be the man of his house when that day comes. And yeah. I, that's a very, it, it's knowing that like, it's not, it's not stepping up to the road, it's being... There now, I have very little rates. It's like I've had granddad's and granny's past that I'm not in close with, so don't want me talking shit. Probably the closest thing my therapist have said I've had to a real close family loss because I have such a small unit is like my relationship breakdown last year. They said that's the reason I went through break because they said I treated it like a death, 
Yeah, well, mm. it is, it, technically, the grief of, of a breakup is not dissimilar. If, oh, if, but if the unit, if the if the bond, if the bond was as tight, you know, some people, if your bond is tight with the person you break up with, it will almost feel like losing a family member because, to some people, their friends are their family, and their significant other is their family, and they begin to treat them as family from from a very from a very uh, like a very quick time you know i was listening to a podcast about of actually about uh, last year when i broke up um i was listening to a podcast and the guy actually talked about the, you know the grief of that and there is there is a lot of similarities because the only problem is you know normally with that person you're going to probably see them again and not you no know, it's not a, a, a definite but from what you said there about about Daniel about the being the man house, that's that's one of the things that goes through your head, and one of the things when you're when you're um, preparing yourself for the, for the ultimate for the passing, and it's a, in a weird scenario. It's 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 for me. It was the things that prepared me for that moment was the person that was passing, and then my head was like, you no, know, I was raised a certain way. And I and I was raised to you know work on myself and be better in myself, but that's all handed down from my mother and father, and in a way they prepared me for that moment, and I I was there uh, uh, for that moment. I I was stayed I was in the hospital when it happened, so you know. Was it always? Uh? Was it all within like a week or two spaces? I had no uh, so, so um, yeah, pretty much from two two weeks ago from diagnosis to to passing, pretty much it was two weeks. Um, and she passed on Friday morning, and buried on Monday. So where this podcast is taking place, it's uh six days after my mum passed away, and four days or three days after the funeral. Um. What way do you want people to? I know this sounds odd, but I actually think this is a great question. But I know this sounds odd. Again, it's like me giving advice. I think I, I think I know what, 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 what do you, what do you, what I want people to say to me? Yeah, and what do you want? Do you want like I know it'll change and alter. Yeah, like you don't advice. I'm assuming you, do you just want people to listen? Do you want people to stop saying I'm sorry for your loss, or do you, what? What do you what? Or does it not really? Well, really because my mum was so well known in Oma with working in Asda and stuff, the the wake was was intense. Like the wake was was hundreds upon hundreds, probably probably close to a thousand people through the through the doors and the two nights. And the you know the and it went through every different conversation with people that I could have possibly had with a human being. And the one that brought me the you know the best kind of and that made most sense to me was when people said and it was mostly young ones. Sort of my age and, and your age. They went, I, I just don't know what to say to you. And I don't know what, no, I don't know what to say to you because I don't know what you're going through. And I can't imagine what you're going through. And I was like, I'm the exact same. I don't know what to say back to you. It's different when you're talking to some of the older generation because I have a prerequisite thing that I would say back because that's what they. They want to hear something like that, and I and I, and and it brings them a bit of peace for me to say, is, you know, certain things. But yeah, it was just tough. It was. It's like, you no, know, I just want people to be normal and ask if they want to ask a question, ask a question because you know you never know what's going on in someone else's life. My mother's um, illness was was short, but there's a lot of people that's maybe parents or. Or, or brothers or sisters or whatever or, or other halves are going through long-term illness and they might want to ask me a question that like they might want to know the answer to and if I can help them in any way I 100% will so I don't want people to be afraid of not asking because if I kind of knew I, I don't really know anybody that had kind of like I know a couple of people has lost parents but they were more like very like shock like a shocking thing or like a very like spur of the moment a heart attack or whatever so they weren't there was no pre preparation it was just bad news and then 
infinite sadness. It was no like, okay, this is going to happen in the next couple of days. Because that, that for me was the hardest part because you were trying to go, right, this is happening. What do I need to do? No, how do I, like in my head, I was like, right, I have this gig here. Am I going to miss this? I ha- No, am I going to not be there for my mother to be at the gig? But on the other hand was the whole time she was like, you cannot cancel these gigs. No, you're not canceling. That's not what we do. But in my head, it was just the worry all the time of when I say go to Derry on Halloween night for the gig. Do I do I do I not be there for my sister and for my father? Or but then also my mum's my mum made her made her like views known what she wanted. And even at her sick or when she was so sick, her her big thing was what am, how am I feeling and how's my dad and how's my sister? You know, even the, even when she was talking to the priest, the priest said to her, you know, how are you, how are you feeling? And my mum just went, you know what? She just started talking about this other girl that died um, a couple of days prior and said she was young and had a young family. My mum was like, I've had a good, a good life and I've raised a good family. I could, it could be a lot worse. And that was kind of, you know that was the way I was raised as well and just you said it yourself earlier things could always be worse and I know it's hard saying that and it's weird saying that me saying that with my mum passing away but my mum could have passed away when I was 16 and if she did pass away at 16 I know I wouldn't be the person I am now and the person I am now is because of her what what age did your mum pass? 66 I think she was me and my dad always say if you get three scores in a ten, you didn't get cheated. We always say if you, if you make it to if you make it to seventy, you don't all right. And now the funny thing is, my dad's sixty two now. And when we say that, my dad's like, you know, three scores in a ten is not much. Aye, aye, aye. But then, like, there was a man at the there was a man at the funeral. Not say his name. He's ninety seven. He's the wake. Sat down beside me, and he goes, "What age you?" And I says, "Oh, thirty eight." I go, what age you? And he said, I think he said 97, 96. And I was like, fuck you, some innings. And he goes, oh, here. He goes, I was happy enough to go 20 years ago. He goes, fucking life's shite enough now. <laughs> and I was just like, and he started laughing. And he was like, ah, he goes, if it's not one thing, it's another 20 things. He just shakes his head. And he's just like, ah. And your health just here. That's why I think a lot of people like live to 70, but die at 20. And a lot of people don't realize the quality of life dies down as well as the older you get like that's why retirement, like you're retiring, like that's not like you hear people look forward to that, but it's one of the things like that is the twilight years. That's the years where like you're not as mobile, you're more habit driven, you're more you're not your subconscious rules you a bit. And yeah. don't get me wrong, there's a wisdom in aging, but at the same time, the quality of you as an individual probably can can drop off a little bit. So Yeah, well uh, that's it. His life quality because I think he was a very I think he was like an act I think he was a farmer or something. But you know, he's a very active man and now it's kinda like if he wants to go anywhere, they have to like you know, he has to get people to do anything. And I think but he's he was good crack now, he was good. There was a lot of that, but there was a lot of like you know, I suppose it it's 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 a very weird feeling that I yeah. Did you because you wouldn't be an overly religious person, would you? I'm not. Well, Paul, look, I'm I'm probably more religious than most people in my family, but not of a standardized religion. I do listen to sermons, and the only reason I listen to that is, um, I've talked about it before. A guy called Stephen Furtick at the Elevation Church, um. I get a lot out of his his stories and his sermons, um, and not from maybe a religious context or whatever you know whatever kind of context it comes in. I get it more of a being a better human context. Um, so I would listen to his sermons. Now I don't even know what religion it is. I think it's like some American Baptist thing. I don't know. Um, but I would listen to him a lot. Well, not a lot. Listen to his podcast. His sermons happens on a Sunday, and he he puts the podcast out on a Tuesday of the sermon. Um, but 
I don't really go to mass as much as it probably should as as being a, a Roman Catholic. Um, but back toward religion, or I know obviously it's quite a religious event, and there's yeah, it's I do. It's bad when you say when it takes a death. To, you know, the my mum got a lot of goodness out of the priest visiting her, and a lot of good stuff out of people that prayed and people lit candles. Um, and I I can see when there seems like there's no hope that you have God, and I did. You know, I'm not. I'll be lying if I didn't say that I I prayed. No, I prayed the whole way home one night from a gig. I can't remember which gig it was. Might have been secrets on the Sunday night. Pretty much the whole way home. Um, I I prayed the whole way. Um, and I don't know. You know, it it you know you almost feel like and I actually said this during prayer. You go here. Uh, I know you don't hear from me too often, <laughs> but you know here we here we yeah. go here we go, big man. This is happening. Um, but I can yeah. see why people I can see why people have a lot of faith in God because. Uh, at a certain point and I've heard it about I've heard it about like soldiers in the front line I've heard about different things it comes to a certain point where it's just you and the creator um and I can I can I can honestly you know will this sort of event of my life make me go to church more probably not um do I don't I don't actively go out of my way not to go to church it's just something that I find very hard because early mornings, when when church is on, like I'm either sleeping because I'm I'm up I'm not in I'm only in bed a few hours before it starts, or when it's on a Saturday night, I'm pretty much leaving to go to gigs. Um, I, but it's I, I can see why people are religious. You know, I can I get it I get a I get it a lot more now. Without Dave putting a joke on this, I imagine if I showed up the prayer. Like now it would be like, do you ever seen a Gregor thing when he turns around and he goes, "Who the fuck is this guy?" And uh, uh, would be like, "Who the fuck is this ball back?" And the thing is, the only time I pray, and I don't like saying it, the only time I pray is whenever I am in fucking desperate need of something, like I am wanting a miracle pull out of my horse. Because it's funny because I reverted back to them. Like I'll say the same thing as you. I think as you said, it's like. Not a lot of stitch, but it's like almost like, oh, fuck, you know, like I should be doing this. I have been. I think it puts you at ease as well. Even if you don't really believe it and you revert back to it, it can help ease because it does feel like, you know, somebody is pulling the string. Somebody is. Yeah. There is. There's definitely a lot of that. There's a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of thinking that goes on that who's. You know, at the end of the day, you you would you could you could think to yourself, if I would have prayed more, if I would have did this, I would have did that. Maybe I could have changed the outcome because, you know, here at a certain point, I wish, you know, you you pray for a miracle, and you I'd be lying to say that that that's what I wasn't praying for. I was praying for a miracle. Do I believe in miracles? I'm not sure. I've never I've never really heard of a real miracle. But did I want one to happen? Fucking sure I did. I want. I really wanted a miracle to happen. But and that's what, I, in a way, I was praying for. And the, the then the prayers closer to the end, the prayers switched to. Um, I just wanted my mum to pass a bit quicker because I didn't want her to be in pain. And that and I know that sounds really weird for some people to think, but. I just want. I just wanted my mum out of pain, and I needed her out of pain because her in that bed is not her. You know, even if if this illness would have went on another two or three months, and my mum couldn't leave the house or couldn't leave the hospital, that is not her. That would have uh, been that would have been wor- that would have been worse than anything for her because she she never sat at rest. She the only time she was ever at rest was when she was sleeping or when she was watching some crime show on TV trying to solve murder. She was always on the go. She was working right up pretty much until illness. She was out walking the dog. She was always out and about somewhere. Now she loved a good wake. She did love a good wake. But you know, <laughs> she was like she was she was she was famous around the wake scene now around throwing, but 
no, she she was very active person, and when it got to a point where you no, know, that we were told days, um, I I was praying for it to be hours rather than days, and some people might think that's weird because you know you want more time with your family, but I just wanted her to be out of all pain and to to move on, to move on yeah. to heaven or whatever. Um, because I just wanted, I wanted her fight to end, because you know she's she done well, and and I just wanted I just want I just wanted her to be out of all pain, and that was that was just always going through my head. I think uh, you could end up feeling slightly guilty for that. I think it'll be very interesting whenever people relate back to this because I think if you listen to the podcast from about November December time till maybe May. You can obviously see the the change in my thought process and the change in where, like, we talked about it here and there. You can see it in other topics, like how I went through, like, the the sort of the breakup and slowly went down, then up, evolved, and there was changes in my life. And even the way I am now, it can bring you a sense of, if you're going through the experience I did, it can bring you a sense of calm because you know somebody's been through it and came out the other side and is okay. And I feel like over the next year, if people listen or six months, and they see, you know, if we do parts or just in general topics, to see how you view things and see how your energy is and what way you grasp things now over the next couple of months, it will bring people a sense of calm because we always, we don't like to think about it. We all know it's coming for us, but it's always nice whenever you've seen, and this is me, you've seen somebody come out the other side and you go, right, well, it, like I, I remember listening to this, this is sort of normal it's okay for me to have this thought or things like that because a lot of them things I wouldn't even be thinking about, you know what I mean? You don't think about it and then you'd be like, fuck, should I even be thinking like that? And you start to challenge yourself, whereas it's an obviously a very individualized process, they all are, but it's one of the things where it's very, it's for me, it's very interesting because I don't know many people that will talk as raw and openly at the start about it. And it's probably still a wee bit early to really be digesting and explain it. But as you said, I think it would have been a disservice to like, just sweep under the carpet, uh, especially for the way the podcast has been built and hired us. Like so it's one of the ones where it's not meant to be able to, but I think one of the key take-homes is, is just treat it like, you know, it's, it, what are you taking slightly for granted that you could do? Could you buy your mum flowers? Could you take somebody out for a coffee in your family? Could you take down here? What do you, what have you been putting off that? Yeah. Like that if, if you only got a year left for that person, you would do now. You wouldn't do, and a year's a long time. Like most people don't make it happen like that. It's one of the things where it's really, really key. If you look at pivotal moments with each individual person, I love this thing we talked about last week as well. Is like if you're waiting for like the right moment, the right day, the right, the right time. It's not. It's never ever come. And you'll turn around yourself and say, "Well, that's not true. I've just got a new job. I've just had a kid. I've just had a break. I've just had this. I've just had that." There is no right moment. It is one of these things where you will have to make it happen. And the more you do. The more you fall into that sort of habit, the routine, the ritual of not taking things for granted and trying to make life that little bit better, and you'll notice that it never really comes down to what's on the table; it's, it's who's around it. And you, we always will probably have small regrets or small things, but it's trying to make that as subtle and as little as possible, so that you can put your mind at ease to an extent. It's like whenever my uh, granddad house, like my mom was like, there was no issue, there was no real not, there's no real grief. She was like, you know, using it. He was in his later ages. She'd done everything she could. His quality of life wasn't good. She almost was, as you said, praying for pain. And I think that's one of the things where, like, that is where you can you can go, well, I give everything to this person I possibly can, and very few will be able to openly say that. And I think even just people listening to this will put you, it puts you at ease because whenever somebody's been through something and you've heard all the inner monologue, you can hear we've got to stutter, you can hear... The truth you can see how raw it is you can see there's still contemplation and i think it's a i think it's a, it sounds all but as i said that that's right like that's what makes life like beautiful is the fact that we don't have a limited time we don't have all these years to yeah. waste we have time to move and if you look back and you go right well how have i treated this person the last 12 months how what have i done here a lot of time is is spent in just the ether of like you can't remember moments. You can only remember big moments and you don't want to wait for them. You want to make sure the small things will add up. Like one of the best moments I've had this year isn't traveling. It's been sitting at home with the fire at my back. And I said to mom I, and dad, I said, it's a, they go with me, sit down and have a cup of tea with us before you go out tonight. And I was supposed to go out and meet people and 15 minutes rolled into four or five hours. The crack was good. And 
I, I didn't feel pressure to go out. I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. I didn't even text the people to say I wasn't going. It wasn't on major. I just I just turned my phone off and was like, this is what I need right now. And it's one of them things where you don't realize it, but that's probably one of the things I'll remember for the rest of my life. And if you look at that, it's trivial. But if I had got up and made not a prayer decision, but just a different decision, I wouldn't have that. And it's these moments that we look at our values and go, right, well, do our does our time, does our decisions align with that? And at the end of the day, you're not going to turn around and say, Joe, how much money did I make from gigs? How much money did I make from coaching? Hey, Joe, how, you're going to go like, right, well, did I spend enough time that I had with the people I wanted? And not just time, quality time. I'm talking yeah. about where you bring the energy. You're not just showing up just to tick the box. That's wank. You're, you're actually there for the person you're there listening. It's like, for me, that's the, the pivotal thing I, I get from that. And I love that sense of urgency to go make something happen with people around you. Yeah. And then the the thing, and people know from listening to the podcast, my, I always say this, my biggest fear in life is regret. So I do live, I do live life with as limited amount of regrets as possible. <clears throat> but the thing is, even me, who probably is more on the high end of the living life and no regrets thing, you still think that the time, you still think you have more time than you do. And that is something that really hit home. Like I would, if you were to say to me two months ago, a month ago, you know, and you were to say to like, put these things in a row, what would happen first? I would never have thought that I would lose a parent. And that that's just, that, that's one of the things that, you know, even though you think you're doing things the on your terms and the way, you know, w- you know, not taken today for granted, we all do a wee bit because you're, pr- you know, you're the, this is just life in general, where <clears throat> you think the, you, the sun rises in the morning, the sun sets at night. You know, you just think that's always automatically you're seeing the sun rise in the morning, seeing the sun set at night, and what you're doing between that is the things that matter. But really and truthfully. You know, you just have to maybe, even though you do things and you do things no regrets, you just have to really cherish the time you have maybe with the people or maybe your own time. You know, maybe it's just cherish, you know, if it's, you know, you know you're working towards something instead of feeling that it's a, it's, instead of feeling that it's, it's work, feel that it's a, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not a given, you know, you're, you're afforded the opportunity to work towards your degree. You're afforded the opportunity to become a doctor. You're afforded the opportunity to become a DJ. You know, that's one of the things, like, I, I know I, that I didn't know that, like, my mum had never spoke too much about my music or my DJing. But the one thing, like, now that, now the people that were involved in this didn't have a notion what she was talking about. But, like, when I was coming into the hospital, like, all the nurses were like, oh, you were the one that was over in Australia DJing. And I was like, oh, how do you know that? Thinking, oh, somebody you know, somebody must know somebody. And she was like, oh, no, your mum was telling us. It's like, oh, all right. And then people at the wake were like, oh, your mum was sending us your songs. Those the songs I released. But, like, I never had a conversation with my mum about my songs that I ever released. But people were coming up to me going, oh, your mum sent us this song and sent us that song. And, like, they were showing me their phones going, it's this one here that I really like. And I was just like, I never knew that. Because she never said to me about it. And I don't even know, like, to be honest, like, I would never, like, we don't really have family group chats or none of that sort of stuff. But, like, I didn't know any of that stuff, and I kind of wish now that I did, because sometimes I wouldn't tell them as much about DJing, because they just, you know, I, I would have just took it for granted, they just don't understand. And if I tried yeah. to explain it to them, they'd be like, it's just a world, you know, it's just a world of people, just, you know, it's a million miles away from anything they ever knew. So you wouldn't really understand. Like the only thing was, my dad one time said to me, "Like, why did they? You no, know, I was going to play in Dubai. Maybe it wasn't or someone." She goes, "And why? Why would they book you?" And I was like, oh, "I don't know." And he goes, "But where would they hear you?" And I was like, "Oh, internet." And he was like, "Right." And they couldn't get a DJ closer to Dubai. They'd fly you out there, and I started <laughs> laughing. I was like, "Right, fuck's sake, yeah, I'm down there." But you know, that's his kind of way of thinking. Like, could they not find someone a wee bit closer? That's the way I would be thinking. Like my my daddy, my dad even thinks me driving to Maharafelt, which is forty minutes away from Oma, is like, that's fucking mental. You're driving the whole way there, and you're like, Jesus Christ! I flew to I flew twenty six hours to Melbourne, twenty eight hours to Melbourne for a gig. But it's just, you know, I think you know, you know, going ahead with it, 
as as Tony said, you know, this podcast from day dot has been a journey, and you know, Tony's changed a lot, even from it was he just spoke about last November, last October, at the same time. We both went through breakups at the same time. We're both probably very different people from last October. We're very different people, definitely, from when the podcast started because the podcast started in the in the middle of the pandemic. Very first lockdown. It was uh it was it was the start of April, wasn't it? It was like uh yeah it was like week no. it was like week three of lockdown. It was so early and the thing is too I was like this will be just during lockdown. Be like months. And then we've you know people have been on a journey with us from then and they've grown with us. They've got married they've probably went through losses They've changed jobs. They've moved countries. We're still fucking sitting here once a week. And like a lot of times people do check in with us and tell us how they're getting on and say, you know, things like, oh, you know, I actually took your advice and did this. And like people like have started their own podcast. So we see Owen McCabe's just started his podcast and see a couple of other people started their podcasts. And you know, this is a journey we're all we're all on together as 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 people and for me for me and tony like we have to if we're not ourselves and talk about what we're going through it's not it's it's just not what this podcast is about so that's why you know we'll probably touch on this again down the line because you know it'll 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 definitely change who i am as a person it'll change as tony said it'll change my outlook and stuff and if you know if anybody's going through something similar or they have questions you know hit me up on my instagram or hit me up on the muscle and the hustle instagram page because i i get the i get the the messages on that there um and yeah i think we'll, we'll kind of wrap it here for the, for this week's um podcast thanks for the we've got a couple of more reviews we're over 200 reviews now which is great and we're still charting we're still charting all the time and you know there's another thing that we've kind of took for granted because we've been charting that much these last these last few weeks that um we're number 108 in great britain at the moment for self-development which is deadly um so yeah guys thank you for everything over the last week and thanks for all the messages that she's been sending um it's very appreciated and yeah probably anything you want to add tony I'm always here if you need me, bro, and it means the world you're sharing that. I think a lot of people get a lot of value from that, and over and, over and out. That's yeah, it. hopefully, if if you get if you are getting value from it, or you have a friend that that thinks they might need to hear it, you know, share it them. You don't have to share it on your story or whatever, because people might, you know, I know sometimes it's tough to share a podcast in your story, but you can share it in 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 private, or if you wanna, if you have a friend in need and you wanna send them, you know, for a talk or whatever, I'm always here, and Tony's always there too. Um, but yeah guys thank you very much and we'll see you again next time